happy Mother's Day. I'm excited to share with you, I think one of the things that's changed my life, and I think it'll change your life this morning if we really get it. I want to talk to you this morning about the stories we tell ourselves. The stories we tell ourselves. The, the Bible says this, have the same mindset that we have in Jesus, that we find in Jesus. You have that scripture, put it up there. Have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. That word mindset in Greek is phroneo. And, and it's kind of difficult to, to translate. Some say attitude, the same attitude. What it really is, it's the inner story that we tell ourselves. The inner story that we tell ourselves needs to be like the story that Jesus was telling himself. All of us tell ourselves Stories. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, he gives us even more insight into this. In fact, pull out your sermon notes, if you will, because I've put some of those verses in there and some of my points in there for you so you can remember this. It's right in the middle of your worship folder. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 takes a little Greek word and he puts it with a phrase. He does this four times. The same Greek word with different phrases and words. The same Greek word again. And if you look at it at first glance, this is the love chapter. You think, this doesn't seem quite right. I can't quite figure this out. Let's look at it. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. There's the same little Greek word used four times in succession. And you probably heard this at your wedding or at someone's wedding. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. But when you look at, you break it down and you're looking at each one separately, you're going like, now believes all things? I mean, isn't that a little naive? Isn't that uh, what codependent people do? I mean, is that really what I'm, you know, supposed to do? And really what Paul's trying to get at is something that's incredible if we can, if we can capture it in our minds today. All of these four things, they go together as a whole. And he's trying to say something, a specific point. Here's what it is. In everything we experience every day, there are gaps between what we expect and what actually happens. In everything that happens to us every day, in every experience that we have, there's our expectation and then there's what actually happens. And in between those things, there's a gap. And we're going to feel fill the gap how I tell myself an inner story inside I tell myself a story to fill the gap and what Paul is saying is I want you to choose the story that Christ would choose to fill the gap love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things I want you to fill that gap with something good this is going to change you because you're telling yourself a story all the time she said that she would meet me at 9 o'clock for church this morning. And I'm out in the lobby and she's not here yet. What's the story? You see there's something that you expect. And here's what's actually happening. Now you could say, wow, it's been, she's been so crazy busy. And I mean just exhausted. She might not have woken up this morning. Or, or you know, 290 is such a mess out there. I hope she didn't get blocked up somewhere. Or maybe there's a train on the tracks or you know, or maybe I need to check on her. I want to make sure she's okay. Or you could say, that woman, 
She's always late. She has no sense of time. She, she doesn't respect me at all. She doesn't even respect me enough to meet me when she says she's going to meet me. And you know what? Her mama had no sense of time and her grandmama had no sense. I'm done with this. You see the difference? There's a, there's a huge difference there in how you filled the gap. You can believe the best or you can go with that ingrained natural story that your personality and experiences want you to come to. You walk past me in the lobby and you say, hey, Pastor Mark, and I just keep walking. That guy is so cocky and arrogant and I hate big churches. I'm not, I'm not coming here. They're, they're so unfriendly. Or you could tell yourself the story. Wow, <laughs> Pastor Mark listened to way too much classic rock when he was a teenager. <laughs> Cranked up really loud. And, and, and you know how you can tell which one it is? Just keep running around and say, hey, Pastor Mark. Of course, I'm going to stop and hug you. Go, hey, how are you? I, I remember <laughs> sometimes it's really hard to fill the story right. You know, um, when I was young, and I was desperately looking for a student ministry job. And I was talking to my dad on the phone. And he said, this is kind of a bad connection. Let me hang up and call you back. And he hung up. And the phone rings again. And I grabbed it. And they said, is this Mark? And I said, this is Mark. Is this Mark Chuck? This is Mark Chuck. And it was a pastor that was wanting to talk to me. Now, I don't know what gap that he, you know, story he put in that gap, but he didn't call me back. And um, I was so sure that was my dad messing with me. And what do you say then? <laughs> I thought your voice was a joke, sir. <laughs> now, it's not going to work either, right? So it was just, yeah, I didn't get that job. But we put something all the time in the gap. What are you going to put in the gap? Two things impact my story. Two things. What I see, this is what actually is happening. And I see it. You see it. We see it. We see the same thing. But there's another thing that impacts my story. Who I am. Who I am. Because what I see doesn't explain why. I have to put the why in there. And what happens is over time, things happen to you. You have experiences. You grew up in a certain kind of family. And you develop some ideas, some storylines that you like to put in there, okay? People will always let you down. You don't entrust yourself to anybody. You're just going to be disappointed. It's not okay to show vulnerability. People will exploit it. I mean, they will take you out. When someone hurts you, you hold on to it, brother. You hold on to it to the grave. That'll show them, right? You see all these things we tell ourselves, these different stories. What's the real story? Well, that's what we're going to find out. The story that God wants us to put into place. All of us grew up in a childhood. Maybe it was a performance-based home. Or maybe you, you just didn't get affirmation. Or maybe you learned that it's dangerous to talk about feelings. So let's just talk about the weather. How about those strows, by the way? Well, let's not talk about the strows right now. That's not quite. How about those rockets? See, oh, okay, now we can. Some of you are going like, oh, he's getting kind of close to me. I'm feeling better now. You see, because you grew up in a home where you can't talk about feelings and stuff. Here's the thing. All of us are survivors. In fact, turn to the person next to you, look them right in the eye and say, congratulations, you're a survivor. Just tell them that. 
You see, if they weren't a survivor, they wouldn't be sitting next to you, would they? There's a lot of truth in this message today. Here's the thing. Paul said, I know you learned how to cope in childhood with some things and it caused you to survive. But what you learned there is not working for you now. In this same chapter, he said, it's time to put away childish things. It's time to move on. The story you told yourself as a child to survive, it's time to let that go. And we're going to do that today. It's interesting, years ago I read a book called The One Thing You Need to Know by Marcus Buckingham. It's a leadership management book. But in it, they researched, somehow, I don't remember exactly how they were talking about happy marriages. They had a bunch of researchers that were researching people that had been married for 10 years or more and called themselves very happy. And they wanted to know what is the main ingredient to being very happy. Now, they thought they knew because when they had already done this research on those that either didn't make it or said they were very unhappy, they found that they had very unrealistic views of each other. And and that there was all this, this unrealistic expectations that weren't met. So they thought that when they talked to the ones that are happily married, they would say they have a very realistic view of each other. And, you know, they just take it as it is and say, well, he's not very good at this or that but that's just how it is and that's fine I, 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 I see him clearly but you know what they found out just the opposite it was crazy it stunned the researchers in fact it's th- they found out that people who were happily married after 10 years thought more of their spouse in all those areas than their spouse even thought of themselves they really didn't have a realistic view like they would test this guy and say how good are you at all these different areas of marriage and he would rate himself and then they would ask the wife and she would rate him way higher and and here's their um, findings this is crazy a spouse's positive illusion of love created an upward spiral a spouse's positive illusion of how great her guy is or his wife is created an, an upward spiral of love and here's their advice Find the most generous story and then believe it. Find the most generous story about everything that happens and then believe it. Wow. That, that's just seemed, I mean, be creative. Find it. Like come up with something good and then choose to believe it. And you'll have a happy marriage. You're going like, what? Here's some examples. She's not impatient. She's just intense. He's not insensitive. He's just super focused. He's not controlling. He just really cares about details. Every one of them. You see? (laughs) You choose the story you write and you put in the gap. It's your story. It comes from your mind. And here's what I want us to do in these last few minutes. I want us to look at the life of Jesus. The very last day in the life of Jesus. And I want us to look at how he did this. Because we will see this inner story in him. And we're going to find some principles out of that that are life changing. I mean we're talking about the very last night. And the day that he died on the cross. So let's look at that. I've got some notes there for you. Take a look. Number one. What we find in the life of Jesus. Is that the story that we tell ourselves. Is more important than the feelings we feel. 
me say that again. The story that we tell ourselves is more important than the feeling we feel. Look at Matthew 26, 37. And taking with him, that him is Jesus. Jesus took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. That's James and John. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply depressed. Did you know Jesus was deeply depressed? This is the Garden of Gethsemane. And he, he goes there and he's deeply depressed. You know what that says? That means that depression is not a sin. He's deeply depressed. Well, how did Jesus, who never sinned, how did he be depressed and not sin? By his actions. He didn't give in to his depression. He didn't keep his his he didn't allow his depression to keep him from taking the next right step. That's how he did it. Number two, the story we tell ourselves keeps us from going through crisis alone. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. He didn't withdraw. He took his inner ring. Peter, James, and John. Those that, that he had been the closest to. And he's going, he's saying, uh, he's deeply depressed, but he brings these guys in with him. Now what's your story? People are untrustworthy. People don't care. No one really has your back. You're going to go through crisis alone, my friend. There's not going to be anybody there. Your story is going to limit that. It's not going to allow for that. Do you hear me? Jesus told himself a different story. Number three, the story we tell ourselves allows us to be vulnerable. This is a big one. Jesus said in verse 38, he said to them, these three friends, I am so sad that I feel as if I am dying. I want you to think about this for a minute. I want you to put yourself in these guys' place. This is the one you know is the God-man. He's the Messiah. And you see him. And he's struggling. And finally he comes to you and he goes, I'm so sad. I feel as if I'm dying. Have you been there? Have you felt, you felt like that? I don't know if I'm going to make it till tomorrow the way I feel right now. Jesus felt that. But he told them. He didn't. Hold it in. I can imagine their mouths dropping open. Their king confessing his weakness. As he opens his soul to them. You know again a lot of us we want to stay on the surface level. How's the weather? What's going on? It's not okay to have feelings. That's our story that we grew up with. You know. It's not okay to show vulnerability. Jesus said yeah it's okay. Yeah you have to do it. Yeah it's important. Intimacy. Into me see. And some of you, you don't let anybody in anywhere at all. I mean, they know you surface. Everybody knows the surface you. But you'll never have intimacy. I'm not talking about sexual intimacy. I'm talking about intimacy in all realms. Into me see. Only God has been able to see in. And you're not even letting him. You're not talking to him about it. suffer alone and no one will be helped no one will be encouraged not you or those around you you tell yourself that story and you won't even find healing because the bible says confess your faults your sins your issues to one another pray for one another and you will be healed have you ever 
done that? I love our church because this is such an authentic, real place. And so many of you, we've talked to each other, we've confided in each other. We're, we're the same. We know that we're on this, you know, I, I always tell you, you fall down on this journey, I'm going to pick you up and dust you off and say, come on, we can do it. And if I fall down, you pick me up and dust me off. Go, come on, Mark. It's not over. Let's go. We can do this. But it's so important that we do that. I, I want, let me read you a really courageous story. It was written by my daughter, Sarah, the 1st of May. She put it on her Facebook and Instagram. And she's a, a, a new mama. She was going to have Owen dedicated today, but he's got a fever, so she wasn't able to do it. But listen to what she says. New mamas, please don't suffer in silence. Get the help and support you need. As soon as I found out we were having a boy, everyone started telling me about the special bond between a mama and her son. However, after a difficult birth and a rough recovery, I found myself swallowed up by a dark cloud of depression and anxiety. I cried all day and had panic attacks at night. I dreaded hearing Owen, Owen cry because it meant he needed me and I wasn't sure if I was fit to be his mother. I passed him off as quickly as I could to anyone who would hold him. Intrusive thoughts played over and over in my mind. Did I buckle him in his car seat right? Would he suffocate in his swaddle? What if he fell out of his seat in the bath and I couldn't get to him in time? I washed and rewashed and dried and redried bottles so many times my knuckles cracked and bled and they still weren't clean enough. Those close to me pushed me to get the help I needed. I messaged my amazing doctor. A nurse called right away. Was I having thoughts of harming myself or the baby? No, I responded, not, not intentionally. In that case, I had to wait 21 long days before there was an open appointment anywhere in the city that accepted insurance and specialized in maternal mental health. 21 more days that I wasn't able to bond with my son or connect with my daughter or husband. When I finally got in to see the doctor, things began to turn around for me. For me, that meant taking medication and practicing self-care. It might mean something different for you. Over the course of a few weeks, the cloud lifted and I began to bond with Owen. We finally started to get to know each other and there's been so much joy. Even though our nights are still long and our mornings start really early, I cherish my time with him. Did you know that he belly laughs when I change his clothes because he's so ticklish? He loves books and his sister's silly dances. He tried his first blueberry and grinned. And he's fascinated with his daddy's beard. I'm fascinated with his daddy's beard too. Is that courageous? Yeah. Do you think less of Sarah because she wrote that? But you say, hey, we're all in this together. Some of you mamas that are dealing with that, you're not alone. You're not alone. I want us to, to be vulnerable right now. I'm going to ask one group of you to be super vulnerable, okay? And I know this is going to scare you, and that's, it's okay. We love you. Mother's Day is really hard for one group, and that is you ladies who haven't been able to conceive. You've wanted to have a little one, and you've not been able to do that I want to pray for you I want to pray over you I'm even going to ask for a miracle for you that either God will open up some kind of adoption or that he will allow you to get pregnant I, I've it's crazy because one of the gifts that God's given me is this gift of faith and I've prayed over that a lot and I've seen this happen over and over and over again so I'm going to ask you if that is you 
and husband and wife can stand together if you want. I would love that. Would you just stand up somewhere all over this place? This is hard. Last night, we sat here for a couple of minutes. I don't want to do that today. So just jump up. Somebody jump up and get us started. Okay? All right? Who else? Okay? Who else? Thank you for being vulnerable, for being open. I know this is a difficult day for you. If you're watching at home, just go and put your hand up on the, on the TV screen because we're going to do this together on, on the laptop or whatever you're looking at. Okay. All right, look around you, someone close to you. Here's what I want you to do. If you're close to someone that's standing, would you just stand up and place your hands on them right now? Church, family, your family, okay? Someone around you. I'm so proud of you guys. This is so hard to do. In the Old Testament, there was a lady named Hannah, and she was barren, and she wasn't able to have a baby, and she went into the temple, and she prayed, and God saw her heart and gave her Samuel, who became a great prophet. I'm going to pray that God would do this miracle in you and that your children would make a huge impact on their generation for God's kingdom. Could you let me pray that right now over you? Just join me in prayer. Those of you, everybody silently praying together. Father, I thank you for these that stood. I'm going to ask something, God, for your kingdom and for your great glory. I pray for these ladies that whatever's stopping them from being able to be pregnant, that whatever's not working, whatever is... Uh, causing this to happen, that you would just stop it in its tracks, that you would bring healing, if there needs to be healing, that you would just work your miracle, God, that you would enable them to conceive and have a baby, to hold it to term. God, I'm asking that you would take these babies that are these miracle babies that are going to be born, and God, that you would cause them to be the prophets of their generation. That those little girls and boys would grow up to make an impact for you and for your kingdom. And I'm asking this all for your great glory. And we say, come kingdom of God upon each and every one of these faithful, vulnerable ones who stood up. Be done, will of God, in their bodies, in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. Just wait till next year and you're going to see what it means to. <laughs> Number four, the story we tell ourselves allows us to ask for what we need. He said, stay here and keep vigil with me. I want you to stay here and watch with me. I, I'm, I'm feeling like this, but please just stay here. People just don't really care. Is that your story? Or I'm not worthy. I'm not important enough that I should even ask people to waste their time on me. Is that your story? Number five. The story we tell ourselves gives us grace for others even when they fail us. You know, he took those three guys and he began to pray and pour out his heart. Felt like he was dying and he told them all of that. You know what they did? They fell asleep. And he came back and he saw them. And if I was him, I would have said, you guys are good for nothing. Right? I mean, what is the point of having friends like you? That's not what he did. That's not what he did. He said this. Keep actively watching and praying that you might not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh 
is weak. Hey guys, I know it's so hard. It's difficult. They fell asleep again. And he still loved them. But you know what? One of the versions tells us, one of the gospels tells us, they fell asleep, not because they didn't care. They fell asleep from sorrow, it says. They were so sorrowful that they couldn't even, it just like almost blanked out. To see their king and their one that they worshipped and the one that they followed and the one that they loved in this anguish. They couldn't handle it so they just fell asleep. And Jesus knew that. See he didn't tell them the story that they don't even care. He said I know little children. I remember how I made you. You're made out of dust. I remember. He's mindful that we're dust the Bible says. He knows us. And Jesus could forgive because he knew how weak we are. Number six, the story we tell ourselves helps us to trust God's heart moment by moment, choice by choice. Put that in the blank, moment by moment, choice by choice. So look what it says, going a little ahead, he fell on his face praying, my father, if there's any way, get me out of this. But then he goes on to say, but not my will, your will, I want what you want because I know your heart is good. And then he took action. He didn't just sit on the sofa and whine and goes, I'm so depressed. I'm going to sit here and, and watch another episode of Friends on Netflix. You know? What he did was, he said, get up, let's go. After they were asleep again, he comes back the second time. Get up, let's go. The one who will betray me is already here. And he entrusted himself to God as Judas kissed him. He trusts God in that moment. Trust him. He, he trusted himself to God as he was mocked. He entrusted himself to God as he was scourged. He trusted God's heart as they pressed the crown of thorns down on it. And as they drove the nails into his hands and into his feet, he trusted God. And you say, how could he do that? Uh, well, he was Jesus. Maybe that's... No, he was the God man. He was man, fully man, fully God. So he felt just like we would. He had memorized God's promises. He had memorized God's promises and that saw him through this. How do I know that? Because he was saying Psalm 22. He was speaking it. Psalm 22 was written a thousand years before Christ. But it's a prophecy from David of what's going to happen. Let me just read some of it to you. Okay? I'm going to put it up on the screen. A lot of people says that, that why did God turn his face away from him? God didn't turn his face away from Jesus. Jesus was calling out and speaking when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's Psalm 22. He's speaking it under his breath the whole time. And every once in a while, he yells it out. Listen, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I can't keep sobbing. Where are you, my God? I don't even look like a man anymore. I've been abused, despised, and scorned by everyone, mocked by their jeers, despised with their sneers. All the people poked fun at me, spitting their insults, saying, is this the one who trusted in God? Is this the one who claims God is pleased with him? Let's just see if your God will come to your rescue. We'll just see how much he delights in you. But Lord, you delivered me safely from my mother's womb. You're the one who cared for me ever since I was a baby. Since the day I was born, I've been placed in your custody. You cradled me throughout my days. I've trusted in you. And you've always been my God. Don't leave me now. Stay close to me. For trouble is all around me. 
There's no one else to help me. I'm completely exhausted. I'm spent. I'm so thirsty and parched, dry as a bone. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. They've pierced my hands and my feet. With a toss of the dice, they divide my clothes among themselves, gambling for my garments. But you, O eternal, stay close. O you, my help, hurry to my side. You're not put off by the suffering of the suffering one. You don't pretend you haven't seen him. When he pleaded for help, you listened. You're the reason for my praise. It comes from you and it goes to you. And listen, listen to the promises because of what's happening right now as they're driving the spikes into his hands. I will invite the poor and broken and they will come and eat until satisfied. Those from the farthest reaches of the earth will remember and turn back to look for the eternal. All the families of the nations will worship you. The eternal owns the world. He exercises his gentle rule over all the nations. And then I think he looks down through the years as he's claiming this psalm. Look, there they are. They're worshiping. Can you see us today worshiping? Bow before him all who are mortal. All whose lives will end as dust. Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not, not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. And they will all declare, it is finished. Do you know his promises? Do you know God's promises? Has he given you some promises for you to stand on and to live in, in the middle of crisis? Jesus shouting out loudly, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he exhaled and breathed no more. You see, he told himself the right story about God. This crisis is not without purpose. What I'm going through now is not without reason. I have a father who loves me with all that he is. And if he could spare me this, he would. Something's going on bigger. Something's going on more. I catch a tiny glimpse of it. Look, they're worshiping. Thousand years from now. Two thousand years from now. They're worshiping. They're worshiping you, Father, because of what's happening right here. And right now, what story are you telling yourself about God? I can't believe God. I, I've done so many things for God. I can't believe what he's putting me through this. I can't believe that this is happening to me right now. That's, just, that's not the story. That's not the mindset that Jesus had. You have a father, little girl, that loves you and sees you. He doesn't pretend like he doesn't see you. He doesn't look away. He's looking. Tears are in his eyes. He feels it with you. What you're going through is, is horrific. But he's there. Little son. He knows. He knows. He gets it. Lastly, the story we tell ourselves allows us to forgive. Don't you ever forgive. Is that the story? You hold on to that. They don't deserve it. I'm going to make them pay. While they were nailing Jesus to the cross, he prayed over and over. I use this translation because it gets the Greek. Over and over. That means they would drive the nail into one hand and he would say, Father, forgive them. 
for they don't know what they're doing. They would drive the nail into the other hand. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They would drive the nails into his feet. Father, forgive They would lift him up and drop him in the jagged hole and just everything. Tears. Father, forgive them. You know, if it was me, I would be going, Father, remember their faces. Wouldn't you? I mean, come on. And I would just stop in the middle and go, you people are going to fry like a taco shell. Oh, 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 man, you're going to regret this. How in the world could he say they don't know what they're They had no idea what they were doing. They, they didn't know that this was some eternal moment. They thought this was some rabble rouser making trouble. Jesus told himself a story, a different story than you and I tell. Some of you are holding grudges and it's killing you. And you've just determined... Yeah, it's going to kill me, but I don't care. It's going to hurt them worse. No, it's not. And I'm not minimizing what was done to you. It was, it was horrible. It was inexcusable. You have every right to feel like you do, but don't let your feelings stop you from taking the next right step. Some of you, the reason you're depressed is because you're holding a grudge right now. Some of you, the reason you're sick is because you're holding on to that anger deep inside of you. It's time. It's time to tell yourself a different story. Here's the story. I have a father that loves me. He sees everything. He sees how horrific this thing was that I went through. And he knows who did it to me. And I'm going to take that person and I'm going to lay them at your feet, Father. Because you said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. God's going to take care of it. I'm going to put them at your feet. Some of you going, if I put them at his feet, he's going to forgive them. I just know it. I ain't going to be good. It's not your business what he does. You lay them at his feet and find healing for yourself. And maybe you need to let someone else in on the fact that you feel this. I'm not saying the person you got the grudge against necessarily. But someone to pray for you, a brother or sister. I'm going to have some people up here to pray right after this. Some of you. God wants to work a miracle today in you if you will be vulnerable. Let's have the same mindset that Jesus had. Though he existed in the form of God, he didn't hold on to that, but he humbled himself. And because of that, God has exalted him and given him a name above every name that at his name, every knee in heaven and earth and under the earth will bow and every tongue will swear allegiance. Jesus is Lord. The story we tell ourselves affects everything. 